Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. Today, we're talking with author, speaker, and executive director of the Sacred Heart Enthronement Network, Emily Jeminet. Welcome, Emily. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk all things family and just be present. So thank you. I love it. So let's start a little bit by just talking about the book that you kind of just put out in 2023. Um, so it's a couple months old now at this point, but Holy Habits from the Sacred Heart. Tell us about that. What inspired the book and, and kind of the process for you of writing that? Honestly, I think it's my favorite book I've written. And um, you hope every author says that when they just release a book. But I wanted to take the faith that I hold so dear to my heart. I'm a busy mom. I have seven children. I'm doing full-time ministry work and allow my faith to actually strengthen my relationships, right? And bring all the people that I love to Christ, including my husband, my children, how I interact with my neighbor, how I interact with the other workers in the vineyard the other ministry leaders, the people at my parish. And I realized there's a lot of lessons to learn from the sacred heart because faith isn't meant to be white knuckled where you're just like clinging and you're grinding your teeth and you're like, oh, no, it's meant to be an expression of something that so rocked you from the inside, your heart, the kingdom is in our heart. And then we, we share with others. So that's why I wrote Holy Habits from the Sacred Heart. And I give you these 10 ways to strengthen your relationships because I've also written mom books and I realized, Hey, it's not just for moms and it's not just for parents and it's not just for grandparents. And it's not just for these little sections of society. It's for everyone. The sacred heart is for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, What kind of started your devotion to the sacred heart before we get into all the specific holy habits? Like where did that come from for you? You know, I have to say that I've experienced the witness of my own family. I experienced the love of the Sacred Heart for my grandparents. We called them the greats growing up. I thought everyone's grandparents and all their aunts and uncles were like almost canonized saints. They were so holy and yet so happy, so stable, so joyful. And they all did something for the kingdom. Um, One great uncle was a little painter and he painted beautiful images of the Sacred Heart. My grandfather turned his basement into a workshop literally for the sacred heart and the mega heart making plaques in images of the sacred heart that went to Albania and India that were shipped out in the seventies and eighties and even early nineties to um, mother Teresa's home of the sick and dying. So it was a witness to me that like do good, do what is on your heart. And he did not have, he, he worked third shift Ford motor company, but he had the prayer life that fed the ministry. And that was an example, along with my parents and the apostolate work that they did witnessing their conversion. So I just wanted to be a tiny little witness to say like, we can all do this if we allow God to to impact us. I love that. That's beautiful. And I love that it was a generational thing. Like, how awesome is it now for your grandparents to be looking down and being like, look, like she just wrote a book because we were faithful and like, you know, and seeing that ripple effect of faith through the generations is is really beautiful. 
Well, one last thing too, that was really neat is my parents are still actively in ministry, promoting the sacred heart alongside with me. And they even have a little radio program. They do once a month radio. And my dad is almost 80 years old. But what's really neat is there was a 10 year span from when my grandfather passed away to when they rediscovered the devotion. And they, they just say, I wish we would have started earlier. So it's never too late, but it's just neat how God plants those seeds in our hearts and they grow. Beautiful. I love that. So based on the book and your own experience and all of that, like what are, walk us through, what are some of these habits um, that are especially important for building these strong families? So um, first and foremost, I started with the writings of St. Margaret Mary Alicote, who we are now in a jubilee. It's been 350 years since Jesus appeared to St. Margaret Mary in 1673. So it's a very special time in the eyes of the church. And um, when Jesus appeared, his heart was outside his body. It's, it's just this beautiful heart. And it, he appeared out of love. And I think that's foundational to understand. And he says the words, um, behold, this heart, which loves so much, but it was received indifference and gratitude and coldness. So he says, this is my intention, you know, and that's like, oh, looking at your own heart, you know, where do you begin? So I, I spent some time in prayer, like where... Where do I want to begin? Where do I want my family to begin? Where do I, where do we begin? And it begins with docility. And I realized that we are in a, a movement of the church where there's such stubbornness and there is such like, we're all in our own little niches of information that almost the Holy Spirit can't work and help us to see ourselves for who we are and just and see the blindness in our own hearts. So I really challenge um, myself. I, I write my books for myself as well. I'm not, someone's like, are you a mystic? I'm like, no, I'm a mom. I am just trying to live my faith authentically. So um, docility is the first place um, to begin. And we also know that because of the Blessed Mother, um, her fiat, her yes, she actively participated in, um, in, in bringing about the kingdom of God here through her yes to um, the Annunciation. So I, I tie in the Blessed Mother in that very first chapter. And then I move you along through these different virtues because St. Margaret also said that um, from her heart, we know divine mercy, the mercy pours out, charity pours out, but virtue, and we can pray for virtue. We can ask for more grace and we can grow in this area. So our behaviors change as well. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious. I, I think you're totally right. Like we're at a place in the church, but I think in the, in the world in general, where docility is like not a thing, right? Like it's not seen as a virtue. It's not seen as helpful, right? Like it's like stand up for yourself, like in your face type of thing. So like, how do you even define docility? And like, how do we start living that even in like small matters or small ways in the family? That's actually a really great point. And I just um, recently gave a talk on this and I, I described it as the opposite of stubbornness, right? Like, and a lot of times when we, we can think it's just like, I'm holding to the old way, you know, and the old way is how we're going to do this. And I think about in my own family, how my stubbornness prevented the newness that the Lord was offering, the new evangelization of my family, the new evangelization, the outpouring of grace the Lord wanted to offer. So docility is the beginning of opening our hearts. I love that phrase, open wide your heart. You know, John Paul II talked about that frequently. And he also coined, do not be afraid. So I think those two go hand in hand. But 
maybe through prayer, you might discover you're pretty stubborn when it comes to um, the expression of faith in the sense of you're not really receiving the other person. Thus, they're not receiving what you're saying as well. Absolutely. It's a great point that thought it's the opposite of stubbornness. Cause I think a lot of people can relate to that and like understand it a little bit better. Cause just hearing docility are like, okay, well, I don't know if I really, right. but, but I don't want to be stubborn either. So I think that makes, that makes sense. Um, so after this docility, then what do you think? Like, what are, what are some of those virtues that you kind of walk through in the book that you think are really helpful for families or maybe even for parents specifically? Well, and just before we move on, I, I want to say like, it's not about not being convicted of our faith, right? We want to die for our faith, but stubbornness is our interpretation of the teaching, right? That blindedness to maybe the fullness that God's offering. So um, then we move along to faith, hope, and charity, because that's really essential. You know, what is the truth of the faith? You know, what what is the kind of the faith the Lord wants me to have? And what does my faith encounter look like to the people around me. And we do some examinations in the book at the end of each chapter um, where I really invite them to just take a little closer look. And, and a lot of people will go through the book questions before the blessed sacrament. Um, it, they're great discussions even to have with your spouse as well. But I remember, you know, a number of people and all of us have fallen away Catholics in our life, but their impression of the faith is very different than the actual faith that Christ is offering us. So I think that's a great way to, you know, strengthen relationship as well as, you know, looking at, you know, am I again, white knuckling my faith? Am I anxious? Am I always talking about the problems of the world when really my hope should be in Christ. My hope should be um, lived out and the joy of the gospel um, begins, begins here. So it's about conquering our heart for Christ. So the kingdom can be present. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, I mean, obviously those are the big ones, faith, hope, charity, right? Living those virtues obviously takes a lot <laughs> to be able to get there. And like, really, I mean, the work of a lifetime for sure. Right. Um, what about from your perspective, what habits and, you know, maybe from in the book as well, like what habits should parents work at instilling in their children? I think from a very young age, like what's, what's important for them to kind of start when they're, you know, little toddlers or a little older than that. What, what's good there? Well, um, that's such a great question. And, and I think um, one thing I love to tell people is, you know, what's the culture of your home? That's a first place to start. You know, if you have this very cold home and, and religion is, is being perfectly executed, you know, to the point where there, there isn't the joy of the gospel, there isn't the breathing and, and, and the, the freedom to express free will, which is our greatest gift, um, is when we give God all glory. So I, I think starting with that, you know, what, the docility or what, what do you want to offer our family? And then the next point is you can't have a new beginning without forgiveness. And, you know, frequently the sacraments of, of going to mass, but also going to confession and, you know, admitting that you're wrong, you know, that is really hard with family life. I, I, I my husband's the first to be like, Hey, you're a little too much here. You know, uh, this is, you need to say you're sorry. You just were short with this child, but forgiveness is really important because we rewind the past all the time in our head and the Holy spirit can't be present when we're holding these, these grudges. So, um, I think forgiveness is, uh, a great 
great place to to begin with um, building new habits because right you you're 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 locked mm. until there's forgiveness there isn't that and um, in the book I always make reference to the enthronement of the sacred heart and I do pretty early on in the book because Jesus wants to come into our family life right he he wants to be welcomed the father of enthronement back in 1907 Father Mateo said. Um, you know, make your home another Bethany. What an awesome idea that, you know, he, Jesus would come in to Mary, Martha and Lazarus's home and he would share a meal and he would have conversations. He expressed himself, he expressed tears when Lazarus died. I mean, that's, that's what we're striving for. But if we are always right as parents and no one can, can really work on relationships, it's going to impact um, our, the rest of our life as well. Sure. Absolutely. I love that. And I think, I mean, we know even just from the, our father, right. How important forgiveness is in our lives and how important it is for after this life, right? Like how important it is for our eternal life as well. So I think that's a great, it's a great one. And I think teaching children from a young age to be able to forgive can be very helpful as they mature. And it gets a little harder to forgive. I think sometimes when you're older than when you're little, right. right. Toy, as opposed to, you know, some of the bigger things that happen for sure. Um, this we're recording this episode a little before the new year, but this will air after the new year. So I'm curious if you have, you know, from, from your book or other examples, like, you know, you read through all these holy habits and there's a lot of them and someone's like, I need to grow in all of them. <laughs> right. Like this is really overwhelming. Like wh- where, besides like starting with docility, like what's a good habit maybe to be like, I'm going to focus 2024 on this, right. How do we determine that? Or how do we know? That's a great question. Um, so I would say this is going to, I'm going to work around and come back. Okay. The way I want to start with is when we assess our home, right? What's the climate of my home? And maybe you have a really funny home. Maybe it's all jokes and you need to get a little bit more serious or all entertainment or, you know, it's all about success and achievement. And maybe we need to like talk a little bit more about our, our heavenly goals. But I also want to do an assessment of, are there even any religious items in the home? Hmm. And um, doing this active ministry work with the enthronement of Sacred Heart, we were really surprised of the number of families. And I even talk about this in the book that didn't have religious items, you know, maybe a little Jesus, maybe a little Mary, but um, it's hard to continue to recall the most important person in your life, your Lord and Savior, without those holy stop signs and reminders. So um, that's a great place to start is having religious items that are accessible. You know, I'm in my office right now. I, as I have pictures of my children, I have pictures of their artwork. I also have Jesus and Mary looking at me with the sacred heart because um, Jesus asked St. Margaret Mary that his heart be exposed and honored so we can be blessed. So you're accomplishing a really great New Year's resolution if you put that image up. But it also reminds me of my own heart. As I look at his heart, I think about my own heart and I can think about that that code of stubbornness or maybe um, hard-heartedness or maybe sarcasm, whatever has encrusted my heart. And he's saying, you know, give me your heart. So that's a great place to start even just having that image up and 
maybe your listeners and followers are like, oh, Emily, we got that. You know, we got that. Well, let's let's live it. So let's pray it. And that's um, it's not meant to be this this dusty picture on the wall. It meant to be uh, a, a holy reminder. And so I would say prayer is essential. Your personal prayer and then your family prayer and family prayer um, in our family, it's going to mass every Sunday. And my kids have a huge wide range, but going to mass together is really, really important. And it's, it's a priority. So followed by a great brunch, a great lunch, you know, whatever that follow is that, that complements, but it, it's same thing with um, the rosary and, and other forms of prayer as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think, you know, to your point about having those images throughout the house, like it's so true. It helps us like if our Lord is the most important person in our lives, right? The most important figure, like obviously we want to have images of that, but it also helps us throughout the day then live that presence of God. Cause when we see that image, we can remember him. We can say a quick prayer. We can ask him something. We can thank him for something. And like, and if you have that throughout your house, you're having those little, you know, intimate moments with him throughout the whole day, which is a beautiful way to kind of start, especially people don't have that already for sure. Um, I love that. In terms of you mentioning like that prayer, right. And like kind of creating beyond the like images around like prayer, are you talking, are we talking vocal prayer? Are we talking mental prayer? Like, what do you think is like really helpful in that sense for developing these, these holy habits? Well, I think it's um, remembering we have a good and gentle God. Mm -hmm. So he is a good and gentle God and he meets us where we're at. And sometimes that's intimidating for us to look at somebody else's prayer life and be like, oh, I'm never going to be there. It's like exercise, right? Oh, they ran a marathon. I'm never going to do that. Well, you've never trained. <laughs> like you don't get out of bed until you know. So, so taking one tiny step, and I think the first tiny step is the first thought of the day, giving God the glory. Mm-hmm. Even just when you hit that alarm, oh, I don't want to get up. Oh, you know that that negativity, that spiraling down into the muck of the world, you know, thank you, God, for the stay. And in the book, I also talk a lot about a whole chapter on gratitude. Mm-hmm. Thank you, God, for the breath of this morning. Thank you, God, I get to go to work. Thank you, God, my kids go to a school that I believe is is the best place for them right now. Thank you, God, that I get to make breakfast this morning. I, okay, I was really struggling with my morning routine of like, mm-hmm. I, I'm fine with the alarm. And then about halfway through uh, in the morning, I'm pulling my hair out with the breakfast and the lunches and everyone running out the door and the mess. Yeah. Realize I need Jesus right there. So identifying the areas that you're struggling and then invite the Lord into that moment. And he has totally changed my heart towards something that was so annoying to me as breakfast that I now like, it's my favorite part of the day because I now see their faces and they're eager to eat that pancake with me on their, you know, and that mess will be cleaned up because I, you know, so it's, it's changing our heart, changing our perspective and, and being grateful for everything, even the crosses of our life. I love that. And inviting him into, especially those hard moments. So he can transform them, right? Like when we're just, gritting through it and like just going it's we're not giving him a chance to work through us either and like to give that to him so that's beautiful i love that that kind of totally switched your morning routine in that way um what do you think are 
or what do you think the the sacred heart can really teach us about creating strong relationships? Like, where do you see that um, from the devotion, from just, you know, the idea, right? The reality. Yeah. In the book, I talked a lot about the counterfeits of love Mm -hmm. and um, we are living in a culture that is absolutely using the term love all the time. Right. But Mm -hmm. you and I, as Christians, like this isn't even relatable. This shouldn't even be the same word that we use with um, our Lord, our God, the the same word, love of the blessed sacrament, love of, you know, matrimony, children. It's, it's not even the same term. So um, one thing I do is really focus on, you know, helping to identify the counterfeits of love. So knowing the attributes of God, so you can say, you know what? I want nothing to do with this. This is a, this is a bizarre, you know, lustful interpretation and impression of God. This is nothing to do with what God has for me. So when we identify the counterfeits, we can better live out devotion um, in our hearts and we can better be, be purged of the opposites of these, especially these virtues, because the goal is to be holy, right? Which is complete, happy, joyful, at peace. And I love to tell people that the sacred heart, I believe and why I'm so passionate about not only this book, but my other books as well is I've read so many um, cases of stability. The Lord wants us stable in his love. He wants us to know every day that we're loved, but he wants us to not live for the highs and then drop down to the lows. Like when you don't have enough caffeine, you know, like he wants us just to live in that love. So I'm totally convinced that I can tell anyone this is the devotion because our Lord is um, offers perfect love. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's true. Even just the image itself, right. With his heart outside of his body, really like offering that to you, I think it's just such a graphic way of understanding his great mercy, his great love that he has for each one of us. Um, in your, in your opinion, right. From writing this book, what's your favorite holy habit that you talk about in there? Well, you know, I was thinking like, when you asked like, why did you write the book? Right. I re- I remember in my own life, I remember that moment where, um, I had six little kids at the time. It was a late night. I was cleaning up the kitchen. I was in my front room and I had these two beautiful images of the sacred heart and the back of heart. And I remember kneeling down and just giving the Lord everything. Right. I said, you get my marriage, you get the children. And I said, you get my future. And I mean, that was long before years before I got be, got involved in ministry work. I was just a mom struggling in my house. Mm-hmm. And that to me was um, what he wants each one of us to do is like, just give it over, just give it over. So that um, ability to, to trust the Lord, to be able to believe he's a good God and then to receive his charity. So that that's what the most important thing is, is that you love from the deep wells of Christ's love. Mm-hmm. And um, many of us, we so badly like want to look Pinterest perfect. We want to be all together. We want to, you know, be that example, but it's not the way the world it's, it's not LinkedIn. This is not LinkedIn Catholicism. This is not Pinterest perfect. This is absolutely us 
opening our hearts to receive so that from that, you know, we, we give. So um, I, I just see the role of charity like never before because, you know, charity is also linked, um, you know, to identity and, and helping us understand that we're in God's family, that he loves us. Mm-hmm. And that alone is what's impacting families. What people are saying to me, like, this has made a huge difference in my broken relationships or loving the people I'm supposed to love. Like my husband and my children is, mm-hmm. is there feeling it because it's not a counterfeit. It's not a white knuckle. It's not, I'm trying to look really good on the outside, but the inside is, is what, what matters most. Sure. Absolutely. What, um, advice or suggestions would you have for, I'm thinking, you know, we've got a lot of men who listen to the podcast or maybe even women who are like, I don't know, the heart thing just doesn't really speak to me. You know, like they're just not as, I don't know, sentimental, emotional like that. Right. Cause I feel like some people that just, just even the image itself, you're like, Oh my gosh, yes. Like I feel this, I love this. I'm, I'm in, but what advice do you have for people who just aren't aren't as enthralled by the idea of the sacred heart. Like how can they kind of build that devotion or come to know it maybe in a different light? Oh, such a great question. Um, I, one thing I really love is when men read the book, like, and that's one reason why I wanted Holy Habits. I include actually a lot of stories and testimonies from men as well, because it's, it's not a sweetie kind of devotion. That's just for, for women. And and it's funny too, because I'm actually not, an excessively emotional person. I'm not very sentimental. And I realized that was some of my struggles with being a mom is that I hit that burnout button because I just like couldn't keep loving, loving, loving like I needed to. So I think the first place is to acknowledge, you know, where is my heart mm-hmm. and in doing it through prayer, you know, doing some, some deep dive. And, and I realized, and I talked about it, oh, I'm on empty now, Lord. Like I didn't realize I was on empty, but I was well caffeinated on empty. And so acknowledging, you know, where you're at number two, allowing yourself to be curious, you know, that curiosity, a holy curiosity is really important. Like what would my life look like if I better loved my family? If I could love the neighbor next door, that's so different than me that right now I just can't even, you know, look at them because of the way they vote or the way they live. But like, really we need the love of Christ. And, and lastly, and I talk about this in the beginning of the book, St. Gertrude, so she was about 350 years before St. Margaret Mary said that this was the devotion for end times. Believe it or not, she said hearts will grow cold. And that was um, through this beautiful apparition that she had this conversation with St. John the Apostle. So a lot of times I says, actually, hearts are really cold and we don't know when the end time is, but we know our end time is I don't have probably more than 30 years, so I'm close to my own end time. So it's a great time to discover something that has grown ordinary people to saints. Um, Popes have accessed this. You can read papal documents. You can read the lives of saints, or you can just encounter that little holy person like my grandparents at the back of the church, and you start talking to them about their faith, you will discover that deep, rich love that they encountered. Mm-hmm. I love that. I was just driving through some small town in Missouri and you could tell the local Catholic church must have a large devotion to the sacred heart because in so many of the yards were just 
the, the sacred heart, like just the whole image and everything. And I was like, how beautiful. I'm like in the middle of nowhere. And clearly the local parish priest is like really helping build this devotion there and how beautiful that it's, you know, in the yards as people are, are just driving by. So it's true that many, many saints and popes and people who have gone before have also had that great devotion. Well, think about this. Like imagine if, and this is the way it used to be. The other one reason why I wanted to keep, and I probably will keep writing about this is, you know, every home in Ireland had the image of the sacred heart and the Immaculate heart. Every home in India, I got a letter in Spanish from one of the, uh, from a person who said in my small town in Ecuador, every image was in every Catholic home, no matter how poor we were. And then he said, you know, and then it was enthroned. So official consecration to the sacred heart where you say, you know, Jesus, I, I not only put the image up, but I want you to be our King Lord and savior of our family. And so that's the world I want to live in is that we all do that. And then we try to build the kingdom of God on earth. Like let's, let's just um, learn from the past and incorporate this beautiful teaching in the present. Absolutely. Emily, this was an amazing conversation. Any last words of wisdom you want to share for people as they're, you know, starting this new year, going forward, trying to develop these holy habits. Well, I think just um, take the first step. Take the first step and you are going to encounter a love of God like you never had before. It's going to strengthen your understanding of the Blessed Sacrament in the Eucharist because it's the Eucharistic heart, which is our most sacred heart. And you are going to encounter a joy in your relationships um, and be able to witness because that's really important is people need, we need to look different. We need to act different. We need to um, be a light uh, to a world that's looking for direction. So I just, I can't say enough. Everybody put the image up and, and, and encounter the, uh, the habits. Absolutely. So if people want to find your book or find you or find more about this, where can they do that? Well, I'm going to first point them to the ministry, which is welcomehisheart.com. And that has tons of information. It has beautiful images on enthronement. It has a copy. You get my book there as well. You also can visit me. And if you have any questions for me, if you want to connect, I'd love I'm on all the social media platforms under Emily Jaminette. And I also have my own website, emilyjaminette.com. So um, support your local Catholic bookstore. Of course, you go to Amazon, but um, Ave Maria Press is my publisher. Right. We will, we'll link to all of that in the show notes as well. So people can easily uh, find that and connect with you. So thank you so much for this, uh, for your book and for this amazing conversation that we had today. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's really an honor. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Podcast. If you enjoyed it, there are a few quick things you can do to support us. Share this episode with a friend, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, or visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.